Dan plugs Discord again and again. And he did it one last time. Welcome, friends, to Sanctimonious. This is a Keyforge podcast where two zealous players discuss a new topic every week, uh, ranging from diving into a specific mechanic to building the community. My name's Jake, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan. Dan, how's it going this morning? Hey, it's not going too bad. Uh, just a quick shout-out to my head cold. So hopefully this podcast, I'm quick on the mute button and you don't hear any like disgusting sneezes or coughs from my side. So I'm going to be doing my best coming in here at about 90%. All right. Well, 90%, that's, you know, that's better than a lot of people. So I'm taking that as a win. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, I got to 16 Amber instead of 18. I was so close. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive right into our inspiration, which if you've listened to the show before, you know, is our topic where we discuss uh, one Keyforge related thing that inspired us over the past week. I'll go first. This past weekend, I attended Geekway to the West which is a board gaming convention in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, which is right by where I live in St. Louis. Uh, and it was my first time ever attending a board game convention uh, or a gaming convention of any kind outside of like magic tournaments back in the day. And I had a fantastic time. I got to meet a bunch of really great people, play a ton of games, including some Keyforge. Uh, so what I actually wanted to highlight from that was I got to connect with uh, Raf Cordero, who is a podcaster uh, with the Ding and Dent podcast that I've been listening to for years, and they're a board game like kind of review type cast, and they're fantastic. Uh, so that was really exciting. So we met up and we actually played some Keyforge uh, and had a really good time doing that. You mopped the floor with them, right? Since they're just general and we're Keyforge specific. So we played a quick game that I won, then we switched decks, and I won that as well. Nice. After that. Raph was like, okay, well, how about this? And pulled out uh, Warhammer Underworld, like kind of a miniature-based fighting game. And then he just absolutely trounced me in that. So we split one and one in, in kind of our own special games. It was really cool. There you go. So Raph, uh, good to meet you. And hope to connect with y'all again sometime soon. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, gaming cons are fun. Go to a gaming convention. They're good times. All right, so my inspiration for the week is high-level opponents and high-level decks create vast improvements in your play skill. Um, I'm going to harp on our Discord again because we've got a bunch of really good players with a bunch of really nice decks, and it's just I have seen myself get so much better. And I don't know, this is our fifth episode, so that's five weeks, and our Discord's probably been alive for four of it. Like in the last four weeks, just playing against the different people in our Discord at kind of, you know, high level, really good decks, really good players. Um, the other cool thing that we do is most everybody that makes the game, we post the password in our Discord so you can watch if you're not actually playing in it. And I watched Beehawk in the Nick of Slots the other day play a game that was just like Haymaker after Haymaker. The game was insane. Like it was just, you learn so much watching like good players play like that. Um, 
and it was really cool. I mean, it came down. Beehawk made this play that I thought was like next level. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he could have. I think he could have reduced Nick of Slots by one Amber, but he was saving it for the next turn to give himself a chance at another denial on the next turn, which at the time I was like, yeah, that is so smart. But then uh, Nick happened to have regrowth, regrowth, um, key charge, and f- let's see here. Regrowth, regrowth, key charge, and like full moon or something like oh, that. Oh, man. And he was able to win exactly by getting seven Amber from dropping key charge. Like, it was just insane. Like, yeah, Beehawk's play was great. And then he went back and we discussed it in the discords. Like, just even that. Like, after the games, a lot of times we'll sit there in the chat and just sit there and talk about the game, talk about the different decisions. And, like, that just helps you out so much with improving at the game. So, yeah, join the Discord for some good players. And even if you're not able to play all the time, if, you've, if you're able to just, like, log into TCO and watch some of these guys play, like, we, we have both hands revealed so you can see what's in everybody's hand. And, yeah, it's just it's such good stuff. Let's move on to our main topic. This is something that I am unfortunately an expert on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to let you run the show this week. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the secondary market for Keyforge. Like a lot of us, I got into the game thinking, oh, this is so cool. I just spend $10 and I get a deck. You know, I'll probably get like five or six decks and that'll be good. Like, that'll be fine. And then, you know, yeah, probably like 50 plus decks later, here we are. (laughs) yeah and it's probably about an even split half from just opening and half from the secondary market so let's just start out well why use the secondary market well you're listening to this show so you have more than just a passing interest in the game so it's kind of nice to be able to kind of customize your deck in a way by finding a list that you enjoy Um, the likelihood of getting all the house combos that you want to play with from just opening decks is uh not high. You know, when you have seven houses and a combination of three, the hitting that combination that you actually want to play, you'd have to open a lot of decks to find that one house combination. And then you might get one of those house combinations where one of the houses is fairly weak and it's just not the most exciting deck to play. Yeah, a lot of times I've seen people complain, and in my experience as well, is you start getting towards like, 10 and 11 decks in your collection and just by pure variance there's a good chance you may have a lot of one house or none of another or very few so i think my like first 10 i think 10 out of my 11 first decks had mars in them <laughs> me too <laughs> and i didn't have any untamed decks like at all i was missing discs like i wanted a disc deck so bad and i don't think it was to like deck 12 and that was before jumping on the secondary market so a lot of times I think it gets a bad rap just because it's like, okay, well, I don't want to spend a bunch of money for decks, but it can also just be, Hey, I want to try out. I'm a new player, you know, and I just don't have a disc deck. I could buy 10 and hope to get one, or I could just pick up one kind of cheapo one for a couple, seven bucks or something and, and have it and check it out. Yeah. And then certain combos or card combinations that you want to play with. Um, I mean, it's going to be much easier. So like if you want a Battlefleet key abduction deck, and you just keep opening decks, it, you know, you could open 
100 decks and maybe not find one. But if you go out on the secondary market, you can find that. Or I just recently got a Epic Quest Arise deck that was kind of like one of my dream combos. And uh, the deck is terrible, but it does have that <laughs> those cards. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's kind of fun. Like you just kind of get something in your head where you're like, oh, what's this combo that I want to do? Another one that I got um, is a Snudge Sergeant Zakiel Shield of Justice combo. Snudge is a disc creature. So as long as you get Snudge out on one turn, you declare um, Sanctum, House Sanctum, on your next turn. And you drop Sergeant Zakiel. First you play uh, Shield of Justice, which allows your creatures not to take damage. Uh, you drop Zakiel next to Snudge. Snudge readies and fights. When Snudge fights, he can bounce a flank creature or an artifact back to hand. So you bounce Zakiel back to your hand and fight something. And you just repeat six times because, yeah, that's the most you can do it. Or repeat till everything's dead. It's really funny. Like, I pulled it off a couple of times and it was more than worth my i think 15 dollars shipped for it to pull that off a couple times made me very happy but yeah then there's gems out there to be found aka strong decks for cheap if you're willing to put in some time and i mean a lot of time like <laughs> my like chief thing that i do when i'm just sitting around somewhere waiting for a meeting to start or something is just looking through uh decks at keyforge auctions or facebook buy sell trade auctions just looking through lists and just seeing what's out there and identifying if I see anything that looks spicy for way less than what it should be. And the final point on this is uh, looking at deck lists and evaluating them is actually an important skill to practice for competing in Keyforge, whether it's an Archon format where you need to, where you get two minutes to look through your opponent's list before the game begins. Uh, it'll really help you with identifying those key combos. Uh, if you've spent time sort of looking through them on the buy, sell trade groups. I think it's also really important in adaptive or other bidding type formats or even in uh, sealed where you get to look through three decks and pick the one you want to play, you know, sort of, so sort of regardless of what type of Keyforge tournament you're going to, uh, having a strong skill set at evaluating decks uh, is, is really crucial to success in this game. Yeah, and I mean, just looking through the list too, like you're able to see what the cards are, and that can help you with if you don't know what all the cards are yet because you don't have all the decks with them. Just looking through the list, just doing the hover overs to see what what each card is and what it does, just kind of helps you know with your overall knowledge of the game. All right, so that moves us into how to use the secondary market. So first point here is be prepared to look through a lot of lists. Um, <laughs> Luckily for us Keyforge players, there are a lot of people selling decks out there. So like I said, one of my favorite pastimes right now is just looking through lists and just seeing if I see anything that I don't have or something that's kind of off kilter that I'd like to try. And But it's just, it's looking through a lot of lists. A lot of lists look kind of similar to <laughs> what I already have, but <laughs> the few card, with a few cards different, you're like, hmm, with those few cards different, maybe it's better. I don't know. But looking through lists, you'll get to see a lot of times, so this is more, less of the auctions. I guess the auctions do too, but it'll kind of give you an idea of prices for different decks and kind of what the market's saying a deck is worth. And like, this is a skill everybody's like, well, how much is this deck worth? And like, I don't know. I think I've got it pretty inherently in my head. I can price decks pretty well because I've looked at so many, but that's just something you get way over time. Like just looking and seeing what decks are selling for us. So that was 
a lot of times me on the Facebook buy sell trade group seeing what the final bids were for different decks to kind of get that idea in my head of what what the worth is. I've got one more point on there. So that just made me think um, if you're a new player or a newer player and you just think like, where can I even start just because I, I, you don't have any clue. Um, I think like the A, just start with playing the decks you have a lot and over time that'll kind of give you an inherent sense of what some of the good cards are. And then additionally, there are resources out there uh, such as in the Sanctimonious Discord and other places where we have a channel for deck evaluation. So I think just poking your head in there and seeing what other people are saying about decks, about why would this deck be good, you know, what's the flaws in this deck. You know, even if you're not jumping right into the conversation, I think that might be a really sort of important jumping off point to gain that knowledge uh, quickly from, from other players who have already invested the time like Dan has in the pouring yeah. over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decks. There's so many decks. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's got to be in the thousands. I do it every day. Uh, so test lists on the Crucible. A lot of people in their sales posts will say, hey, take this out for a spin on TCO. So yeah, if you're thinking about buying it, do it. Take it out on TCO. Make sure it runs the way you think it's going to run. I probably should have done that with my Epic Quest deck. But <laughs> <laughs> know what you're willing to spend on the deck that you're after. So pretty much if you're looking for that elite power level, like Vault Tour WoW deck, I mean, those are still going for like triple digits. Like you just got to ask yourself, if you're going to go to a Vault Tour, do, do you really want to spend that much? Because I mean, you can, you can get a really nice deck and then put in the time and probably be very successful. Um, but yeah, those, those decks are still going for a couple hundred and that would be using the SAS metrics. It's going to be like the mid nineties SAS or your, OTK decks with the Lance Nepenthe phase shift into a key charger Chota combos. Those those kinds of decks are still going for a few hundred dollars a piece. So those are out there. Or twenty six hundred dollars. Twenty six hundred dollars for the double battle fleet, double key abduction library access phase shift. Wasn't that it? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Just yeah. so it is crazy that. You know, some of these decks really have gone for astronomical amounts. I think that was the high water mark, as far as I am aware, for a Keyforge deck. But one did recently sell for, I think it was twenty four hundred or twenty six hundred dollars on yep. the Facebook buy sell trade group. So, you know, I guess that is one extreme end of the spectrum. But I don't, yeah. I certainly would not advocate you spending that much on any deck at this point in the game. No, no, not not a couple grand. Um... No, I mean, for right around $100, you can get a really, really strong deck. And I mean, you can pretty much customize, like not customize it. This is a game you can't customize, but at about $100, you're finding decks with a lot of good cards in the deck and just playing good card after good card is good, as it turns out. Necessary even to compete at the Vault Tour. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We've heard a couple of the Vault Tour runner-ups and stuff say that they got there, I think. I think Bombfoot was got for $30 on a secondary market somewhere. So, I mean, again, just you can find those decks out there. You just got to be willing to look. Sure. I'm not going to fight you. No, I just, I'm, I'm starting to change on it a little bit. I've seen some of these guys' decks and starting to come around that you don't need like the uber powerful. You just need to know your deck well and pilot it well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you're after a strong deck that can... You can learn and compete well at a Vault Tour. It's probably in like the $50 range. It's going to be a little bit stronger. 
Um, it's not going to be quite the $100 strong, but it's probably going to be like high 80s SAS, and it's just going to have a lot of good cards. So when you say compete at a compete well at Involtory, are you thinking of a deck that could potentially make day two, win a couple of games? Or what, what's sort of that metric for you? So this is where I'm thinking where the deck's going to be strong, that if you learn it inside and out, you can do really well with it. Like it's going to be a good deck. It's going to be powerful. If you pump in the 300 games with it, then you've got every good a shot as anybody else going to the Vault Tour. But it just might require some better knowledge of the deck itself and just piloting piloting it really well, really effectively. And then the last category I kind of made was a strong deck that can take down a chain bound, can be found under $30. And even right now, like the market is so low right now because of AOA, Age of Ascension, the next set coming out in like a week, that, uh, yeah, they're super cheap right now. Like you can get some amazing decks for under $20 right now. Decks that used to be selling for $40, $50 are now going for less than 20 So if you haven't dipped your toe in the uh, secondary market, and you want some good um, Call of the Archon decks before Age of Ascension comes out, now's the time to do it. Because right now, nobody's buying, so there's very low demand, and the uh, supply is still out there. So, yeah, if you haven't tried the secondary market, give it a shot, or just save your money like everybody else for Age of Ascension, because that seems to be the going trend right now. Um, and then my last point on this, uh, be willing to give your best bid on a deck. So if you value a deck at like $25, put it, $25 bid on the site or offer to the person. And if that doesn't get it done, feel okay about it. Um, I've done it a couple of times where I've bought decks off of people where they had it listed higher than I thought it was. So I offered what I thought it was worth and they said no. And then like a week and a half later, I get an email back like, uh, yeah, can we take that first offer you made? <laughs> so as long as you don't need anything like right away and you're willing to wait and be patient on some things, you can you know, you can make some things happen for you, get a deck a little bit cheaper. And, and especially now when all these vendors are trying to offload and, you know, reinvest in Age of Ascension decks, people are probably really willing to go down. Yep, so now we're going to go over a few of the major secondary markets, and I'm just going to start with the Facebook buy-sell trade group. I think that was the OG for the uh, actual auctions. That's just Keyforge um, buy-sell trade, right? Correct. Yep, it's a closed group, so you do have to request to join. Um, and I think they're usually pretty good about getting you in in like a day or two, if not sooner. But yeah, this has been like the major market for the longest time. It's starting to kind of wean off a little bit now as uh, there's been some other options that have popped up that are a little bit nicer, and we'll get to those next. But um, this group has had some, like we said, they had the $2,600 bid the other day. Um, there was another power user of that group that sold his entire collection to Team SAS for a, I guess, pretty hefty amount. So this group is good at the beginning about just having super powerful decks, having a lot of auctions. Um, but yeah, it wasn't always my favorite, though, because it's kind of hard to sort through because of Facebook's different sorting of posts so whether you sorted it by a most recent comment or i don't know i just had a hard time sometimes i would bid on a deck and i couldn't find the deck that i bid on yeah <laughs> i've had that experience or it's like you'll see something and be like i'm not sure i'll go back to that and see where the bidding's at in a day or so and it's like never to be seen can't, again can't find it yeah, so that's unfortunate. Uh, the inconsistent listing practices because it's just being listed by people in a post. 
So it's not some people just take a picture of the index cards. Some people put up the Keyforge compendium, uh, like overall that like snapshot of the deck. Some people are putting up the SAS pictures. Some people are taking blurry screenshots. Like it's such a mix. It's kind of hard to tell what's in the deck sometimes, or just like the power level of the deck where you have to actually like go in, find the deck name and then, uh, plug it into your deck rating service of choice. Um, but that can also work to your advantage too. Somebody just does an index card and you kind of recognize like, Hey, that actually looks pretty strong and you can go, you know, dive into it a little bit more because some people will just skip over those index cards. They won't really give them the time they deserve. Right. Sometimes I've seen people post like 30 index cards and you're just like, <laughs> you know, so you're like clicking through the images so that's, you know, you can be feel pretty secure that not everyone who sees that post is going to spend the time. So that that's sort of, I think, a great example of where you might find a hidden gem. I'm just going to mention there's also, I know for sure there's a 19 in 1999 in under group as well on Facebook. So people that have like good decks that just want to move them for under $20. So that's a cool group that you can go and try to see if you can't find some gems there. And I heard rumors that somebody was making a nine ninety nine in under groups, so that might exist on there. I haven't been able to find it, and I looked for it a couple times, but I did hear talks of it in different uh, discords and vendor rooms and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that's Facebook. It was kind of the OG, kind of where I cut my teeth learning price values. But yeah, so that brings us to the next one and my new favorite, Decks of Keyforge. So Decks of Keyforge, even before they had their auction actually just had you could list your decks for sale there and actually had pretty good success i've sold a few decks that way where i just have them listed with a price and somebody emails me was like hey i want that deck and you're like okay here it is um or you can also i mean decks of keyforge has great searchability so you can search for certain combinations of cards and see if there are any for sale and i got <laughs> i'm that guy so i got two lands decks off of somebody for 30 dollars like, they're not, like, amazing lands decks, but they are Library Access Defense Seat, and he had two of them, and I, he had some kind of deal going on where if you buy two, you got something off. So, I mean, 15 bucks a piece for lands decks was pretty solid. So there's always that option. You can always just search for the buy-sell trade, but the newest feature that they just added is they actually did add auctions, and it is amazing. Oh, it is so nice. It lists them in SAS order, so the highest SAS ones are on top. You can actually, you know, search for the deck <laughs> that you've bid on, um, which is really nice. Uh, the way the bidding actually works. So, like, in Facebook, the thing that was always kind of tough is that if somebody outbid you, you'd maybe get the notification if you had your Facebook set up right to hear that somebody commented on the post that you're also on and you'd have to go in and put in another bid. Well, in decks at Keyforge, you can literally just put in, like, the maximum price you're willing to spend for that deck, and then it kind of auto-bids for you. So let's say a deck starts at $10 and you're like, well, I think it's about a $20 deck. So you put a $20 bid in, you have it for $10. Now say Jake comes in and tries to snipe it from me. He's like, oh, I think it's a $14 deck. He puts in $14. All of a sudden I've got the bid for $15 now. It's just going to bid one over him, whatever the increments that the uh, seller has made. So, And I think I've been seeing more sellers going to $1 increments to for the most part. So then it would be $15. And if nobody else bids between the time that Jake put in his bid and the time the auction ends, you get it for $15. And so you don't have to sit there and monitor it daily. You don't have to check in on it like before, before it sells. 
and they just did start to, uh, you get an email if you've been outbid on a deck and it's got the link so you can click right into the auction, which is so nice. And so you can consider, well, somebody got it for me. Maybe it's worth $25 and you can put in the 25 and see if that gets it back for you. That's awesome. That seems like way better. It is fantastic. Well, because everything's in the, I mean, everything's in a standard setup. So you can just see, you know, the entire deck list via, via the Dexa Keyforge site. Um, yeah, it's super nice. And the amount of decks that are showing up in the auction site has really grown, I think, just in our country alone the other night. So our country, United States, I usually just search for decks in-country to not have to pay international shipping. But shout out to everyone listening internationally. Y'all are awesome. Yes, we love you all. We just kind of hate the postal fees associated with doing business <laughs> with you. And that's more on our end. I think it's more expensive sending from the United States out other places, which is, that's about right. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think there was like 45 auctions up last night, I think. So, I mean, that's a lot of decks. I'll, I'll shout out Nick Slots. He's got like five or six decks on there that are like $8 bids right now. At least they were last night that I was, my finger was like hovering over that bid button. <laughs> So, yes, buy now. Check out Dexa Keyforge. When you click on search, uh, there's, a, there's a selection for auctions, and then there's also one for in my country. If you click those two buttons, it'll just come up with all the auctions that are live right now. But that's my new favorite. That one seems to be picking up steam. A lot of other people are liking it. A lot of sellers that we're selling on Facebook are liking Dexa Keyforge a lot better just because it's easier to list. They don't have to write a full paragraph on it. They just put the deck up. They have their standard sellers you can so if you're actually selling decks, you can put a standard uh, message on all of your decks that you're selling. So it just kind of gives your standard like shipping costs and details and all that good stuff. So yeah, decks at Keyforge really really like this one. Good job, Coriathon. Great site you got built there, and it's only getting better. You have any any decks at Keyforge? Nope. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, the next one we've got on the list is ToyWiz. Uh, there's no bidding here on ToyWiz, but they do have a collection manager that is really nice. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, so the collection manager, we'll just go over that really quick, allows you to load up all your decks, um, just drop in your uh, Master Vault code, adds it to your list, and then you're able to see the SAS scores, the ADH scores, the ToyWiz score, the expected win rate score. You can see all those things in one place. You can sort by the ARC scores. You can sort by the SAS scores. You can sort by card quality. Like It just gives you so many different ways to sort through your cards. You can filter by houses. It is a great way to just kind of keep your collection together and just be kind of able, if you get to a point like, I don't know, me, uh, <laughs> you're like, do I have any decks with good artifact hate? Oh, here, here's one that has a five artifact rating. Why am I not playing this deck? Then you play the deck and you're like, yeah, that's why I'm not playing this deck. <laughs> one point on the collection manager, I think that can also be used to your advantage if you're interested in buying on the secondary market elsewhere. Uh, one thing I've just noticed personally, because I try and keep meticulous track of all my wins and losses uh, in a spreadsheet, is then when I sort by the different various rating systems, I can see which lineup best with my personal win rate which i think may differ by person to person depending on play style so for me 
for whatever reason, I found that AERC rating is the best indicator for me of how well I'm going to personally do with the deck. So that gives me extra insight so that I can perhaps evaluate decks elsewhere better, knowing that I maybe don't care as much about the SAS. The ADHD or the... Or the ADHD (laughs) or the EWRC, because that doesn't give me personally a really great representation of how well I'll do with the deck. So perhaps... So one thing I've done is I'll look through a list of somebody's auctions sorted by SAS on decks of Keyford, and it also will show the AERC. So I might find like a sweet spot of one that's a little lower that has a really high AERC and think that might be a deck I can get a little bit cheaper and actually would do better with than some of the top listed decks. Very good point. And we will go over, we're planning on doing an episode on the different rating systems too, where we can talk about those a little bit more. Um, but so ToyWiz also just lists decks. They open decks and put them up on the market for sale. And there's some deals to be had there. They're, they've uh, they've got a pretty good pricer though. So he hits them usually around where they're probably about where sometimes you can find one that maybe is priced a little bit lower. But that's just another spot where there's no bidding. Like, it's just, here's the price for the deck. You can buy it. They ship it. Um, and the other thing that I've liked for it is people, you can do a, a sell list on there as well. And it's really nice because, like we said, you can sort by any number of features. And then they have a nice grid view that you can look at a lot of lists really quickly. So if somebody puts their collection up in, like, a Discord buy, sell, trade group, and it's ToyWiz Collection Manager, I'm always happy because I know I can look through their list pretty quickly and see what they got and have the they'll have their own individual pricing on them. So thank you Toyways for the collection manager. Next one up is eBay. I don't really use eBay, but I know there's thousands of decks out there and probably the same as everything else. Um, sort through a lot of lists, find one that's cheap. I know uh, the Manic Merc, he's a avid eBay deck finder and he's found a couple of gems out there and used some eBay coupons. I think he got like a library access reverse time deck, which is a combo that can allow you to draw your entire deck if you hit it right. I think he got it for like $5 with a coupon. Nice. Like- <laughs> I've actually bought a deck on eBay. I have the app on my phone, so that's like my killing time looking at decks app of choice because it's just really easy to scroll through. I like to sort by ending soonest. Uh, so that's pretty fun. I'll, I'll check it like once or twice a day if I'm thinking about it just to see. And I think sometimes you can find really good deals on there. It seems to be have a ton of variants. There's a ton of people just selling decks for astronomical prices that make no sense with really high shipping costs. <laughs> and then there are other people who maybe got a couple of Keyforge decks just randomly and aren't tapped into sort of the network. You might not know about decks of Keyforge or the buy sell trade group on Facebook. So eBay's probably a natural place to go to get rid of these decks you don't want. So smart place to go to see if you can score some diamond in the rough. Uh, these last few were just kind of run through a little bit. So there's Cool Stuff Inc. This is one that uh, I'll just say it. They underpriced their decks. Like <laughs> you can find really strong decks for way cheaper than what you'd find in any of the other secondary markets. The only thing is everybody else knows that too. So every time they get a new stock of decks in, um, there's probably like four or five people that are like scouring those lists and picking off the really good ones that are priced for like $17, $18 when they probably go on the secondary market for maybe like $40, $50. So Cool Stuff Inc., definitely check it out. Um, again, no bidding no bidding required. They just open decks and then put them up for sale and uh, whoever does their pricing is a little low. But I mean, I guess the upside of that is they sell them quickly and they're still probably selling them over the $10 marks. So 
guess it's a win-win for them, but it's definitely a win for us if you're able to find that magical day that they've dropped in like 40 new decks and you get that first look through. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me, Dan. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, protechmodels.co.uk. That one was brought up to me by Beehawk. It is in the UK. So for you European listeners, there you go. There's your uh, Cool Stuff Inc. type. Um, Beehawk in our Discord has used that quite a few times and gotten some pretty cool decks off of that. If you're on the state side, you are going to have to pay like 7 or $8 to ship it over here. So kind of eats into it. But I think he found a couple decks on a BOGO promotion once. So buy one, get one. So kind of made up for it, kind of evened out. And then the last one is Discord. So a lot of Discord servers have a buy-sell trade um, channel in them, and people will post their sell lists, their ToyWiz collection managers, their Dexa Keyforge link. And those are just really good to go through too. I've probably bought multiple times from the same people that just post their lists and they get something new or they come down on a price on something I was looking at before or just... Um, yeah, so it's good. And again, it's just looking at lists and just kind of getting that analytical eye for what's a good deal and what you want to play. Last tips. I kind of went over this, but if you find a deck in someone's collection, their buy-sell-trade list, don't be afraid to offer less for it. It might have been sitting in their buy-sell-trade list for a long time, and maybe they'll accept it. And if they don't, then at least they know you're interested, so they can either, you know, you can haggle a little bit. Or, you know, like in my case, a couple of times I've gotten the call, well, not the call, the email, the notification a couple of weeks later that, yeah, actually the price I did uh, offer seemed pretty good to them. Um, there's many good decks to be found out there for around $20 if you're willing to look. Again, like right now is like the ideal time with AOA about to drop. Um, just it seems like everybody's kind of like flush with uh, Call of the Archon decks. So not as many people are buying right now. I guess we should point out that Fantasy Flight Games has made it explicitly clear that Call of the Archon decks are not going to be cycling out. So you'll still be able to play with these decks. And then the second point there is there's no guarantee that AOA decks are going to be better. And in fact, a lot of sort of speculators are commenting that perhaps it'll be worse. And if anything, these Call of the Archon decks that have really incredible cards like Bait and Switch and stuff... Um, might go up in value as new people come into the game and want to get their hands on a bait and sw- a good bait and switch deck. So that's just even more incentive to consider checking out the secondary market now, sort of in the shadow of AOA arriving. Right. Yeah, and like the other good thing there too, or the other thing to note is that they're not going to be producing any more Call of the Archon decks once Age of Ascension hits. The production line is stopped on Call of the Archon, so what's out there is out there. And at this time, they're saying they're not going to make any more Call of the Archon decks. So, yeah, definitely get in while it's good right now. Uh, If you're going from a non-store entity, if you're trying to do a deal, offer a trade. I've traded many decks, and that's been even better. So when you can just trade a deck that you're not playing for a deck that you want to play, it's a win-win for both of you. Uh, I've had good success there. Sometimes they say no, they don't see anything, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, I am happy to trade decks to save monies then you're just both out the shipping cost to ship the decks to each other which is really nice lastly like everyone i've bought and sold to has been pretty amazing like again this community is just a bunch of really good people all of my transactions have been really good really fast if there's been any delay i mean maybe i'm just super lucky i've heard there's a few horror stories out there but 
everything, everybody I've dealt with, it's been really smooth. If there's any delays or anything, they let me know right away. I usually get an email like, Hey, sorry, I didn't make it to the post office today. I'll get there tomorrow, that kind of thing. So I guess that's why I stay on the secondary market. Yeah. I want to echo that as well. That's also been my experience. And our AOA tip going into it, don't overspend early on the secondary market for AOA decks. We saw the Horseman hype um, for Call of the Archon where Horseman decks were going for hundreds of dollars, half of hundreds of dollars, and now you can get a Horseman deck for tens of dollars, (laughs) $10. Um, So just beware at the beginning, like there's going to be some perceived like, oh, this thing is amazing and it's going to be super expensive. Maybe just wait, give it like a month, month and a half. I mean, hopefully I'll be able to do something like that. I'm hoping just to open a bunch of sealed decks and play some sealed events and just kind of start that collection that way. But who knows? I'll probably still be on the secondary market. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But just, just beware there might be a hype combo or something like that. That's going for a lot at the very beginning. I mean, if you really want to get in on the hype, go for it. That's fine. But, um, just let the horsemen be a warning to you. <laughs> and then I had two sellers that I wanted to shout out. These guys sell a lot of decks. I've bought a lot of decks from them. Andrew Nichols is one seller that I want to give a big shout out to. This guy is amazing. He every once in a while goes nuts and just does all of his decks that he has for sale for $10 a piece. And oh my goodness, I've gotten like four or five just like monster decks for $10 from, from Andrew. And he ships them out so fast. Like, they're in the mail like either that day or the next day like they're they're there in like two days but he's amazing and then v8 gremlin x he's a big dexa keyforge auctioneer right now so i've won a bunch of his auctions and again another guy that just i mean you win the auction you send him the payment and he sends you back a picture of it in a uh, shipping shipping bag ready to go so those two guys are great there's probably many many others out there and i'm sorry but these two guys i know i've had multiple multiple really smooth transactions with yeah cool and that's not an ad that's just you sharing out of the goodness of your own heart yeah yeah check those guys out you'll see Nichols on the facebook buy sell trade group he sells a lot there and then like i said va gremlin x is on the uh dexa keyforge auction site and he's constantly has like i think tech 10 decks up for sale at a time for auctions so all right i'm done any final thoughts on buying on the secondary market? It's not as dirty as everybody thinks it is. It's fine. It's a game. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can get mad at people that spend the hundreds of dollars and you think their decks are way better than yours, but I don't know. I'm, I'm coming more around to the point where if you put the time into the deck that you have, or if you find that deck on the secondary market for $20, $30, and get the reps in and just learn it in and out you have as good a chance as anybody so get out there and get those reps in find that deck that really fits your play style that you enjoy playing and just get the reps in yeah i'm inclined to agree i think i'm slightly more pessimistic in terms of how strong some of these strongest decks are um but i do agree you know if you put in the time to find a strong deck somewhere in that 20 to $30 range and, and really put in the effort and get good at playing it, you definitely can compete at a vault tour. And if that sounds just like totally icky to you and you don't want to take any part in it, then 
the great thing about Keyforge is, you know, you can play sealed, you can play adaptive, and it really doesn't matter. So I think, you know, this game is flexible. And no matter what you're into, like, there's really some, if you enjoy the core mechanics and the way the game plays, there's something out there for you. Definitely. It is time for O-Sam. One stood against many. (laughs) This week on One Stood Against Many, I've had sort of a thought percolating in the back of my mind. Um, And this comes a lot from just playing casual games with my partner, Bridget, teaching new people the game and playing sealed events. And then contrasted with some of the competitive games i've been getting in uh in archon tournaments and and playing on the crucible with the strong players in the sanctimonious discord and this thought is i think i enjoy the game of keyforge more when i'm playing with mediocre to poor deck against another mediocre to poor deck than with a really strong deck against another really strong deck madness Utter madness. Let's just throw out the first 40 minutes of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is 100% personal preference. And I get 100. I mean, I totally understand why somebody's like, okay, these effects are really strong. And therefore, I enjoy playing them. However, I'm thinking about it from a perspective of, you know, how the gameplay is, the types of decisions you're making in a game. I think that decision space for lack of a better buzzwordy board game term is is a little bit richer when you don't have such an embarrassment of riches in your deck so that's to say when you have a lot of cards that are just not good or very very situational which you're more likely to find in mediocre or bad decks i think that creates a really interesting tension between you know calling the house that actually makes an impact on the game versus calling a house just to get rid of some of these cards when is the tempo right to take a sort of off turn and i find that when i'm playing my best decks the game becomes a lot more about just ruthless efficiency when all the cards are good you just want to play them as quickly as possible Uh, and and when you're not doing that in general it feels like the wrong decision I don't know. I, I just really like the game at that lower echelon of play. And, and I think that I find myself having more, oh man, this is a really tough decision when I'm using decks like that. What do you think, Dan? I don't know. It's, it's definitely different. Um, I played a practice game. There is a online tournament. So I played a practice game with Beehawk where the restriction was you had to use Brobnar, Mars, and Sanctum, I believe. And you had to have an effective creature power level of 100 or more. So that meant that all of your creatures in your deck added up to 100 power or more. And so it was just this really weird, like, board-based bashing face game that just took forever to play. <laughs> okay, but that, yeah, I feel like that's not a fair... No, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's like a different way to play. It was crazy right. because I've been playing Keyforge for, I don't know, the game's been out since November. I started in December and... All of a sudden, I'm playing this like I'm playing the same game, but it's completely different than the game I'm normally playing, where I'm just you know, like relentless whisper. I mean, there's no shadows. Like there's no shadows. 
Um, <laughs> and Relentless Whispers would have been terrible in that game because there's nothing under like three power. So you know, there's definitely different ways to play the game. And I, I know there are a bunch of online tournaments out there that put on like silly restrictions like that, which are kind of fun just because it forces you to play in a different style than maybe what you're used to. And maybe that's what the uh, lower decks are allowing you to do. But yeah, like you said, I think you said it that... Uh, it's it's almost more skill intensive piloting those worst decks because I mean you really have to work to make them work. Yeah, and I think people write them off because if you just have a crappy deck that you open, you're like, I'll just try this out on the Crucible, and you run into a strong deck, you know, your chance of winning that game is slim to none, and you're probably like, okay, well that wasn't fun. I'm gonna go back to bad decks. But I just want to encourage everyone, maybe like give some of those. Go back to bad decks. <laughs> give, it, give it a thought if you're teaching someone new the game, especially. Uh, or you just want to play uh, with a buddy online or in person. And you say, hey, let's try out these decks that are below 70 SAS or below 80 SAS or, or whatever. When you think about it as a card game, I think that's some of the richest and most enjoyable back and forth battles I've had. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, no, I can see it. I always plug the Discord. Dan plugs the Discord again. Shocker. <laughs> um, oftentimes when we're going into our like match-made games in our little Discord there, um, sometimes we will ask, like, hey, what power level a deck do you want to run? And sometimes we will say, like, hey, let's just do something fun, like some fun deck. And that usually means, you know, don't bring your, like, mid-80s, low-90s SAS deck to the game, like, find your like 70s deck that you kind of like the way it plays but it probably wouldn't hold up those games are really fun like me and b-hawk had b-hawk gets brought up a lot too <laughs> dan mentions b-hawk again um no we had a game where we each played our decks both decks are trying to like allow the other person to get a lot of amber and then steal it all it's like interdimensional graft and uh, too much to protect and a lot of capture and drumbles and like all that stuff. So it's just insane. And I think we ended up generating, I think B-Hawk got 98 Amber that game and I had 60 Amber. Um, that's using the Crucible Tracker. Amazing tool. Can tell you how much Amber each person gained during the game. And yeah, he won three keys to two and I was on check and he had some ridiculous play on the last turn to get me out of check and pull it off. But yeah, it was insane. It was so fun. That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about, folks. Keyforge, great game. Super fun. Uh, we love it, and you love it. So with that... That's why you're listening to us. <laughs> yeah. So with that, that's the end of our show today. Dan, where can they find you online? So I'm Dan is someone everywhere. That's D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E. And then the number one, that's for Twitch, Twitter. Um yeah, and then you can find the show on Twitter at Sanctimonious, S-A-N-C-T-U-M, like the house, O-N-I-U-S. Jake, where can they find you? I am Jake Freed, J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D, uh, on Twitter and Twitch as well. Hit me up, uh, and I'll be in the Discord too. Okay, so we are a mere matter of days from Arrival of the Archons, so... We're going to go into intense focus mode and play a ton of games and get back to y'all next week with our thoughts. Archons of the Crucible, go forth into your marketplaces. Find those hidden gems. Use those gems to forge those keys.
Once stood against many.